I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Miniash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, feedback from the last episode. Wizard, one of our premium subscribers, didn't care for the all-Supreme Court episode. So uh, we probably won't do those again unless other subscribers have opinions that they want to share. Uh, so if, uh, if you have an opinion you'd like us to hear, make sure you come share it, preferably on the Discord, or you can email us. Did our subscribers dislike that, or was it just some uh, freeloaders? No, it was just the one subscriber. It was the only one that gave us their opinion. I thought that was a freeloader. No, that was a subscriber. You think I'd care if it was a freeloader? <laughs> I don't give a shit. Oh, yep, he is a subscriber. Sorry about that. <laughs> Wizard, we appreciate your support. And because of your support, your opinion matters. <laughs> uh, so like I said, we're probably not going to do another one of those unless other subscribers want to come and tell us that we should. Um, all right. Is there some follow-ups we have on uh, previous stories? These are more like real, like new news items. So, you know, in your mind, you can conceptualize this as a follow-up or the news section. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but we're going to start out with uh, what happened to Shinzo Abe. I previously had, I want to say, a troop deployment about how Shinzo Abe, the former uh, then-retiring uh, prime minister of Japan was retiring and how I thought that was kind of a big deal that we should talk about, except I got vetoed. Thanks, guys. That was episode 13, if you want to go back and look at it. Yeah. Um, uh, well, my premise was that he's a big uh, mover and shaker who's uh, had a significant impact on um, Japanese politics, and that's why it was newsworthy. And, well, he got shot during a stump speech and died, so I'm gonna chalk that up as a W for David, but a big L for Shinzo Abe, and <laughs> possibly for Japan, I'm not sure. Uh, I suspect this is going to go down as, like, the JFK assassination for weebs. Um, yeah, it uh, sounds about the, Yeah, the... the um, the motives for the assassin have not come clear. There's some indications that it may have been organized crime related. There's some indications that it might have been, uh, ethno-religiously motivated. And, of course, whenever anything bad happens in Japan, you can't entirely rule out Chinese influence. So, yeah, that happened it's probably going to be a big deal and, uh, you know, watch this space for the doomsday clock ticking down more towards World War Three. Hey. The exciting conclusion of the World War Trilogy. Do you want to mention uh, the interesting, I guess, way in which he was killed, assassinated? Uh, yeah, so he was killed with a homemade gun. Which, uh, I have also done a troop deployment about that, and how, uh, gun control is, um, going to be technologically deprecated very soon. Um, yeah, and his wasn't even 3D printed like I talked about, it was just cobbled together from, uh, hardware store parts. Uh, the most plausible seeming speculation I've seen is that, uh, it used, uh, propellant 
from so lead uh, shot or ball bearings or whatever are pretty easy to come by. For the propellant, he seems to have uh, salvaged black powder from fireworks or possibly just made his own. Um, and then uh, for the ignition, it was some sort of electrical something or other, probably running a current through steel wool. Uh, so yeah, nuts. Um, improvised shotguns can just be made without leaving your local lows. I didn't know any of the details behind the gun. I thought it was just like uh, one of those bang pipe things where he got a shotgun shell and uh, and put some pipes together and, you know, you, you smack him. But no, this was an actual, like, he made his own propellant and shot and everything? I mean, he got propellant out of fireworks, probably. Uh, but also, black powder is really easy to make. Uh, just get some um, uh, nitrogen fertilizer and mix it with uh, sulfur and charcoal. Yeah, so depending on your perspective here, this is a uh, an indication that gun control doesn't work or that it does work, uh, considering these were pretty extreme lengths this guy had to go to to get a functioning weapon. I mean, l- going to a hardware store is not pretty extreme lengths. Yeah, but the what I heard was that it was like you know muzzle loaded, like he had to he had to do it like uh, like colonial style. Sure. Yeah, probably not. Um, uh, it was more likely just a single shot weapon. But it also probably cost him less than a factory-made shotgun would, mm-hmm. and he probably literally got everything he needed on a single trip to the hardware store. Yeah, but regardless, I mean, I still consider this extreme lengths. I think if people had to build their own guns in order to have guns, um, a lot fewer people would have guns, um, and like mass shootings would be way less effective since... Apparently, all he was able to do was make a gun that fired once. Oh, yeah. Mass shootings would be not not doable. Well, sure. The basically never happens thing would happen even less. But, you know, we shouldn't really care about those because they basically never happen. Right. I'm just saying most gun deaths. I mean, if you had to build your own gun, I think they probably wouldn't happen. Like, I think gun deaths would just be cut oh, by. OK. Up vastly like they are in Japan. OK. Hang on, though. Most gun deaths, by which I mean a third of gun deaths, are suicides. Uh-huh. And you're right, those wouldn't be gun deaths, but committing suicide is basically the Japanese national pastime. <laughs> well, I think there's uh, evidence that suggests that um, cutting the gun rate of gun ownership cuts the suicide rate, with the implication being that if there's no super easy way to commit suicide a lot of people will rethink it there is at best very tenuous evidence to suggest that i don't want to say there's none but the evidence is fairly shaky on that front and you know japan itself is quite a good counterexample because they have a really high suicide rate and a really low gun ownership rate yeah i mean also i don't really care about that if people want to kill themselves you know i think they should be allowed um, I think you can do mental health stuff around that. I don't think it would make any sense to limit people's access to guns because of suicides. Um, I'm, you know, I'm only really concerned about the shooting other people, uh, which, you know, I think Japan shows that you can have effective gun control that cuts down on used to be all of that. Now it's almost all of that. Yeah. I mean, again, Japan just has a really low violent crime rate. Again, if you're excluding suicide from violent crime. Uh, So 
um, what exactly the Japanese case should tell us about guns in general is really hard to say. Yeah, that's fair. You know, you could airdrop a bunch of guns into Japan and probably they would all get turned into the police within 10 minutes. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, I just, uh, you brought up that this was, uh, you know, related to gun control. And I, uh, I, I thought it was uh, yeah. important to note that I don't think this is a clear win for either side. Yeah, I mean, so I, I bring it up in the, uh, I bring up gun control more to say that I think this is an indication of why gun control won't work, regardless of whether or not it's a good idea. Uh, obviously, the conversation about uh, what Japan says about whether or not gun control is a good idea is an entirely different discussion and not one that I think either of us are particularly interested in or capable of having right now. Sure. I just think that there is a reasonable case to be made that this is an example of gun control working, that he could not get a gun, so he had to make his own, which sounds difficult and beyond the capabilities of a lot of people who would like to shoot people. Yeah, that's a fair point. So, so I don't see Much how- Much harder than I going don't... and buying a gun. I don't see how you can say that this is a this is a mark in favor of gun control working. It's just well, he couldn't like, get a gun. Yeah, but he got one anyway. Yeah, but it was a janky gun that only fired once, and he got super twice. lucky that he was able to use it. I mean, twice and okay. Um, and he had to be close enough that he was immediately apprehended to make it work at all. Yeah. Well, so. So that's a, another interesting thing. If you watch the video, he did not even try to get away. Like, he just shot Abe and then stood there while he got tackled. Um, with, so, yeah. Um, you can't really say that he had to get that close. Uh, but we all know that he did have to get that close, because we know a few things about ballistics. Yeah, but <laughs> um, him not having gotten away is not dispositive of, uh, of like him being unable to get away because of the weapon he was using all right seems nitpicky to me but we're yeah. not going to resolve this debate here um so let's move on to our next piece of news which is a whole bunch of stuff about uh, abortion yes fortunately we can move on to uh, some news that is easily resolvable yes super easy <laughs> barely an inconvenience right. uh the the lifting of restrictions on abortions uh, has had the consequences that everybody kind of assumed it would. Uh, a bunch the of lifting of restrictions on abortion restrictions. Yes. Sorry, yes. So, I, I left out one so of the restrictions in that sentence. Allowing restrictions is yeah. uh, probably the less awkward way to put that. Okay, thank you. Uh, a bunch of trigger laws went into effect, and they did, in fact, prevent abortions, in large part because people you know, are scared of a f felony liability charges. You don't want to go to jail for, for providing a service. Uh, the... <laughs> A few major examples just in the last recent weeks. Uh, the the most famous one, obviously, is the ten year old girl that was raped and had to travel out of state to have the have her abortion because it was illegal in in Indiana. Uh, in Ohio, there were two women with ectopic pregnancies, which is when the embryo implants outside the uterus. Uh, it will always result in death of the embryo and will often also result in death of the patient. Uh, their doctors wouldn't treat them in Ohio; they had to go somewhere else. Uh, a patient had started to miscarry and was in the middle of a miscarriage. This was not a viable pregnancy. Uh, during the miscarriage, developed a dangerous womb infection. But since the fetus still had signs of a quote-unquote heartbeat, 
a phrase which I still detest because it is a flutter of a heart valve, not a heartbeat. Uh, but because it had signs of this so-called heartbeat, an immediate abortion was uh, not available under Texas law. Illegal under Texas law. So instead, the doctors just sat there and watched her get sicker and sicker and sicker for 24 hours where she developed complications, lost multiple liters of blood, required surgery. But eventually, after about 24 hours, uh, the heartbeat was no longer detectable and they were able to move forward with the abortion. Uh, the whole thing is really fucked up, but... Uh, People are doubling down anyway. The Idaho GOP overwhelmingly rejected an exception to uh, adding abortion exceptions uh, for cases of the life of the mother to their platform. There, there was no such actual law proposed, but it was proposed that they should add to their platform that they will uh, seek uh, abortion ex restriction exceptions for life of the mother. And they rejected that by uh, about 400 to 100 votes, if I remember correctly. Republican platforms are wild people. They're they're nuts. It's like the only only the most committed activists take part in making these things. So they're like the craziest uh, uh, things you will ever read. That's why most most of the uh, local parties don't have them. This, I mean, this is one of those, as you said, Wes, I think a year or two ago, them passing laws because they knew they would never be in effect and played good to the base. And now suddenly they're in effect and they're like, oh, who could have predicted this? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on. These things were passed just just as messaging bills. Yeah. Because nobody actually thought at the time Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. So they're just like, yeah, look how tough we are on abortion. Up, oh, too bad. Our, our hands are tied. You know, Supreme Court, hold me back. And yeah, exactly. As astounding proof of that, uh, there was a leader, an anti-abortion leader uh, named Foster, who was testifying, I believe, in Congress uh, about the ten-year-old rape victim, who, the CEO of Americans United for Life. Thank you. Uh, who was testifying about the uh, Ohio rape victim, the ten-year-old girl who couldn't get an abortion. Uh, who said that if a 10-year-old became pregnant as a result of rape and it was threatening her life, then that's not an abortion. So it would not fall under any abortion restrictions in our nations, which what? is false on two different counts, both because, yeah, it's, it is actually an abortion, and everyone knows it, and that is why it does fall under abortion restrictions, and she couldn't get the abortion. They just don't, you know, for them, abortion is a bad thing, and if it's not a bad thing, then I guess it's not an abortion, but uh, that's, that's not how the world works. Okay. Well, but that could okay, be how the so... world works. No, this is great. Then now so we can get Congress to pass a law that says abortion is outlawed nationwide, right? But then defines abortion as only termination of a pregnancy in the third trimester. Boom, everybody wins. That would be perfect. Yeah, and then anyone, anyone you know, do, doing whatever it is, that terminating a pregnancy, you just say, oh, that's not an abortion. Read the law. Yeah, come on, man. So I'm probably the closest on this podcast to the mainstream pro-life position in that I think the entire discussion is extremely hard and people don't treat it as nearly as hard as it obviously is. Um, so I want to just take an aside to, you know, talk to the pro-life side, which I know there aren't many listening to this who would consider <laughs> themselves there. But if you want to not if you want to be able to get your way and not get totally slaughtered for it next time the issue comes up in front of Congress or the Supreme Court or whoever or the electorate, you need to go out of your way to make sure that these sorts of things don't happen 
And, like, whenever someone brings them up, your first response needs to be, yes, I agree, that's really, really bad, and we need to make sure that these restrictions do not have these sorts of negative impacts. And I just don't see that at all, and it drives me absolutely bonkers. Like, when your opponent has good points, you need to take their good points seriously. Otherwise, you're just shooting yourself in the foot in the long run. And well, like, that sounds like the attitude of someone who uh, is not on Twitter. <laughs> I very yes, strongly I agree with you, David. Twitter. It's one of the good things about rationalists, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that applies to basically every issue. And uh, yes. that's why both parties are just completely despised by their opponents. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't do anything like that. Yeah, and it's also why I don't, you know talk about how we should repeal the NFA, which I think we should, but I don't talk about it much. What's the NFA? Uh, the National Firearms Act. It's the uh, oh. the or gun control law in the country. Um, oh, gotcha. And I'm not going to talk about the specific things that uh, repealing the NFA would do, because that would be doing the thing that I said not to do. Well, um, it sounds like <laughs> neoliberalism to me. Yep. And everyone knows that's bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... That's all I had to say, Um, like, especially in cases like this, very rarely will the radical position actually be able to comp uh, to uh, uh, capture all of the subtleties of reality. And what? (laughs) And so as fun as it is to claim the radical position and then. Uh, act like you're going to defend it against all comers, what that's really just doing to you in the long run is making you look like a heartless idiot. Uh, So don't. Well, I retain the uh, right to look like a heartless idiot whenever I feel like it. I will continue to defend all my extreme positions that nobody agrees with me on. But the rest of you should stop. Aye, sir. (laughs) All right. All right. uh, Next story. Germany. What are you doing? Oh, my God. They're doing <laughs> environmentalism. <laughs> Yay! And, David, what exactly, uh, in which which flavor of environmentalism is Germany doing this week? They are, uh, checking my notes here, shutting down their uh, completely zero-carbon um, nuclear power plants, uh, checking my notes here, in exchange for... Uh, the most environmentally friendly form of power generation, uh, brown coal. Oh, brown coal. That's the, that's the one that's like super dirty, right? Yeah. Cool. Why would they do this thing, David? Okay, so. (laughs) You know, you can't ask David that question. (laughs) (laughs) So Germany has been, uh, basically captured by, uh, the specific a strain of the environmental left which says that we need to absolutely be radical extremist um, uh, renewable power users. Uh, We shouldn't be using anything that isn't renewable. And so they have been um, uh, mothballing a lot of their non-renewable power sources including um, their nuclear fleet and exchange or they haven't been mothballing it they've actually been uh uh demolishing them uh in exchange for solar and wind but solar and wind have intermittency issues 
namely, when the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing, you're not getting power. And since uh, the sun not shining tends to positively correlate with energy consumption, since people need to use that energy for lighting and heating when they're not getting the sun for those things, and wind at best just doesn't correlate with it at all, that means that you have to either have a backup source of power or uh, you need to have a, um, uh, or you'll have blackouts, uh, blackouts and brownouts. Hey, David, I think the you're backup. kind of bearing the lead about Russia here. I'm getting to that. So the backup <laughs> okay. source of power that pretty much everyone uses is liquid natural gas because for fossil fuels, it's extremely clean and uh, it's pretty easy to just turn the plants on when you need them and then turn them off when you don't. Uh, Has something happened to the liquid natural gas supply recently? Yes. Europe gets its liquid natural gas pretty much exclusively from Russia. Russia has been uh, doing a war, which Europe has been roundly condemning, and Russia has basically got Europe bent over a barrel, uh, specifically a barrel of liquid natural gas, because <laughs> Europe has completely gilded its own domestic energy production by pivoting it entirely to renewables uh, and then needing to uh, get liquid natural gas from somewhere in order to keep the lights on and more importantly, the heat on. Uh, and so, yeah, Europe is just fumbling around trying to find literally anything that they can use to power their homes and their businesses um see now you say anything except for france because yeah. you know they have a somewhat functional nuclear fleet uh, i was gonna say they don't they don't seem to be reaching to nuclear yes they're yeah that that's honestly that's really what i'm building up to they're not doing nuclear power in fact they're doing the opposite they're shutting down nuclear power and they're doing it because whenever you say the n-word the environmentalists absolutely lose their shit for no reason, despite this having basically all of the attractive properties of both liquid natural gas, namely that it's extremely reliable, it'll give you all the energy you need, and it can run whenever you need it to, uh, and also of renewables, namely that it doesn't have any notable carbon emissions. In fact, it has less than uh, renewables because... Producing the solar panels, as I've mentioned before, does produce some carbon emissions, whereas making, like, no step in the process, either construction or uh, running day-to-day, -day, have any notable emissions for nuclear power. I don't think so, that's what the N-word is. <laughs> Wait, uh, <laughs> there's no carbon released in the production of a nuclear plant? I mean, there's some, like, for, like, running tractors or um, construction equipment and stuff. Um, what but, about the like, massive concrete use? Concrete creates a lot of carbon to, to make. Uh, sure, but so does, like, so, okay, so I haven't actually dug into how much concrete um, uh, nuclear power plants use and how much of that is... Uh, and, like, what the expected carbon debt is from that. But yeah. my understanding is that the reason why producing concrete is uh, creates a lot of carbon is because it's energy intensive. And so if you had nuclear power, then the stuff you need to get nuclear power would no longer be uh, 
carbon intensive because you'd be getting your power from carbon-free nuclear instead of carbon-intensive fossil fuels. All right. Well, I just thought it was an exaggeration to say it doesn't produce yeah. any carbon at all yeah. to make it, it. Don't get me wrong. It is an exaggeration, but like it, it's a trivial amount of carbon compared to... Um, uh, to the amount it would take to get that amount of energy from other sources. Yes. And uh, again, I don't want to say it's trivial compared to renewables because they don't release a ton of carbon, though they do release a, a decent bit. Uh, but it is absolutely trivial compared to uh, the other reliable, high-stability uh, energy sources, and especially compared to the one that Germany is using because they're idiots. Cool, Germany. Yep. Way to go back to coal instead of nuclear. That's much better. Yeah. I I hear they are in for a really rough winter. There's places that are already saying they're going to be uh, setting their temperatures at 18 degrees Celsius during the winter, which... Nobody uh, knows what that is. 64 degrees Fahrenheit, so, you know, livable, but chilly you probably don't want your office that cold and uh it's it's just gonna be a really brutal winter for them if they can't figure out some way to get more natural gas more ways to uh produce heat Eesh. yeah well thank god they're not turning back on any nuclear plants like Let's i don't shutting those down I, yeah do they i don't think they have the ability to turn them back on now do they I know I, I don't know of germany specifically but there's a bunch in europe that are like not even shut down yet yeah and are just scheduled to be shut down and, that's and they keep being like, yeah, we're still going to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I want to say it is in Germany. Their uh, national policy is specifically not to mothball their nuclear power. Like when, when I thought a, you said they were a, demolishing them. Yeah. So when a, when a react. So oh, yeah. mothballing is like we're going to shut it down and rip out the core, but we're not going to like smash everything. And I'm pretty sure Germany's national policy, I might be wrong about this. Any Germans who know what's going on, please uh, let me know if I'm getting this right or wrong. I think they're like they have a law that when they shut down a nuclear power plant, they need to demolish the plant so that you would need to start over entirely from square one if you want to uh, restart your nuclear program. Yeah, Germany just shut down six Oh, no, it's just shut down three reactors in January, and uh, apparently the plan is to shut down all six, because they apparently only had six by the end of this year. Jesus I don't know Christ. how many they've gotten so far. So, um, oh. yeah, I'm calling it now uh, Germany's also probably going to stop existing soon, because they're literally committing national suicide. I think it takes more than that to stop existing. Uh, I think that... Uh, if the choice is between violent revolution and freezing to death, uh, violent revolution's going to look very attractive. All right. Well, speaking of violent revolutions, let's talk about Sri Lanka. Yeah. So uh, there was another horror story about how environmentalism sucks. Uh, did you guys know that this is an anti-environmentalism podcast? This is an anti-environmentalism <laughs> podcast. I mean, I'm pretty sure you've said at least three times your bit about how environmentalism is indistinguishable from anti-humanism. So I, I'm guessing people already knew that. Yes, uh, that is true. Um, uh, that 
environmentalism is indistinguishable in practice from anti-humanism. I don't know that I've said that here or just in the Discord, but uh, it is true. For the record, I am pro-environmentalism, which is not anti-human. Uh, so that makes you a conservationist, which is good. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's a different discussion. I'll probably do a troop deployment at some point, but I think the, like, when environmentalism pivoted from conservationism to environmentalism, I think that's when it went wrong. Uh, but anyway. All right. So Sri Lanka had a violent revolution. Yes. Um, so uh, Sri Lanka's capital was recently occupied by protesters. The president fled the country and the economy has pretty much tanked. Uh, this An interesting part of this to me, um, an interesting part is that this protest was not necessarily meant to be a coup. Yeah, it just kind of happened. It was supposed to be a protest, and like five times as many people showed up as they were expecting. And at that point, they were like, oh shit, I guess we can do this. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to draw any parallels to any other thing that happened at uh, any point. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll draw a pro... I'll draw a parallel to the uh, to that one Scott Alexander fiction story uh, back from the Slate Star Codex days about how uh, that one guy who took the pill that made him amazing at everything didn't mean to take over Saudi Arabia. Just his demonstration about how susceptible the regime was to a military coup went better than expected. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much uh, accidental coup. Uh, yeah. Um, so, um... Uh, yeah, what basically what happened is Sri Lanka uh, took the green pill um, and they banned uh, fertilizer and pesticides uh, to try to make their um, their agricultural production more environmentally friendly. What they actually did was just take their agricultural production down to pretty close to zero and since they were pretty reliant on domestic production of food, this meant there were massive food shortages. Uh, so this just goes to reinforce the point I've been making quite a lot recently, that civilization is one missed meal away from collapse. Um, and that's the exaggerated version. The true version is it's more like five or six missed meals. Um, so yeah, that sucked. Uh, also, uh, there's a trend for, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but basically, um, uh, like ethical investing, uh, which in practice means, uh, investing in environmentally friendly companies. And on that index, Sri Lanka was one of the best places to invest and it's now on fire. So, you know, that's something you should think about. So what is uh, going on there exactly? Is the uh, prime minister assassinated? Uh, no, but the president has fled. Uh, they have a government in exile. Um, beyond that, I can't easily find uh, what's going on, except uh, there's expectation that the president will resign, which makes sense because he's not in the country he's ruling. <laughs> um but uh, other than that, yeah, I can't really find any more details. So I assume there's just people milling around the capital, uh, occasionally <laughs> setting stuff on fire. Uh, yeah, apparently they've um, appointed an acting president. Ah. Uh, but no one's, you know, everything's still pretty up in the air. 
Yeah. I believe he's declared a state of emergency, which gives him a whole lot of power. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it does kind of seem like state of emergency. Yes, definitely. But also, that's definitely going to become a military dictatorship. Also, I see something here about protests in the Netherlands. Yeah, so uh, there have been similar protests in the Netherlands. Um, Obviously, they're much more uh, food secure because they're more embedded in global trade than Sri Lanka was. Uh, Essentially, uh, similar sorts of things. Uh, There were Dutch farmers uh, protesting, uh, blocking supermarket distribution centers and so on uh, because... The Dutch government was planning to require them to reduce fertilizer use and uh, reduce the big protest causing one was they were requiring them to call their livestock herds uh, because uh, livestock produces a lot of greenhouse gases, especially methane. Um, If you can't figure out how, then think about it for a bit. Uh, It's farts. The answer is farts. Yes, the answer is farts. Um, uh, and they, the protest was, if what I've heard is correct, uh, let me just try to confirm that with my source here. Um, yeah, so I'm not seeing a confirmation in the source I have linked, but I heard that this protest was like violently suppressed. Like the protesters were actually literally shot at by police using live ammunition. Uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't say that here. Sounds rather intense for Netherlands. Um, I see Dutch police open fire on protesters, but that's from November 2021. Oh, here we go. Dutch police shoot at tractor during night of farm protests. Okay. I assume uh, from yeah, the singular that it was fairly isolated then. Sounds that way. It makes sense why I heard about it, but couldn't find it. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, that sucks. Uh. Yep. I don't... I feel like... This is, you know, uh, farming's probably not the low-hanging fruit in terms of environmentalism. So maybe cool it on the things that are going to make less food in the world. Uh, but y- you see, you need food to have lots of people. And what environmentalists really want is for there to not be a lot of people. I think agriculture is actually a very big producer of greenhouse gases. But fixing that without making the food um, output drop dramatically is the important part. Hey, Inyash? You know yeah. what else is a big producer of greenhouse gases? Is it humans? Coal power. Oh, that too, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the environmentalist endorsed source of power. No, I know, that's insane. I, I just meant that we shouldn't ignore uh, agriculture, but we shouldn't treat the problem with a way that makes humans starve to death. All right, next story. Um, apparently we're getting in a dick measuring contest with Russia about Lithuania. That seems fun. Dave, what's going on there? Yeah, so um, uh, Russia has been uh, saber-rattling at Lithuania because they have been heavily supporting the uh, Ukrainian resistance to the Russian invasion, uh, including a lot of Lithuanians going to fight on behalf of Ukraine, uh, and some of the saber-rattling has included explicit orders that Russians target those Lithuanian uh, fighters. Uh, They've also been um, uh, getting hit with some economic sanctions uh, from Russia, which they're more entangled with the Russian economy than the rest of Europe. 
Uh, and in response to this, the Lithuanian government has been bringing up Article 5 of NATO and specifically reminding people that uh, should they come under military attack, the United States is obligated to uh, come to their defense. And the U.S.'s response to this has been, yes, we are entirely obligated to do that, which... I mean, technically is true, but it's also kind of an alarming thing for them to say. I I mean, if it's technically true and they would be forced to do that, I think it's very good for them to say that up front so that Russia isn't surprised by this. Yeah, but I've also, I'm pretty sure that Putin has never seen a line that he didn't want to cross. I mean, I think it's fine for the U.S. to say, like it always does, you know, if you attack our NATO partners, then you're attacking us. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a pretty even-handed thing to say. I think they say it often, and it's been the official policy forever, so it's fine to repeat that. Um, I don't really, I mean, who knows, who knows how Biden actually put it, or is going to put it in the future. Uh, so it's kind of worrisome that he's in this position, but I don't think it's, you know, I think, I think that's all you can say. You don't want to, certainly don't want to give any indication that, like, maybe it's not an attack on us, you know? Right. Because then they're emboldened to go and do it, and then we might have to fight, you know, you know, when Russia was thinking, eh, maybe they won't fight. Right. And one of the big knocks on Trump when he was running for office from a lot of national security people was, like, he made some comments about NATO where he was like, well, maybe we'll defend them, maybe we won't. Yeah. And there was a lot out there about how, like, you cannot at all be seen to waver on these commitments because that's the th- the main thing preventing belligerence. That's the worst possible of all worlds. So my my big issue is, I, I disagree that it's the worst possible of all worlds. My issue is, if we make these strong commitments, then if Russia, like, challenges the commitment, then we actually have to put up or shut up, and both of those are very bad, because either it means Russia essentially has free reign over any territory that's within range of its artillery... Or we're in World War Three. That I mean, that's literally the point of NATO. That's why those commitments were made. Like, I, I guess yeah. you could say we should have never joined NATO, but uh, we have. So I agree. I'm just not super jazzed at the idea of World War Three starting over Lithuania. Fair enough. All right. Next story. There was a surprise January sixth hearing. Uh, this is one of the things we didn't cover last episode because we were doing all Supreme Court stuff. Uh, but they had a surprise hearing and had uh, one of Mark Meadows' aides testify. And uh, there was some juicy stuff. Um, she testified that on January 6th, Trump uh, gave the order to remove the metal detectors at his rally when uh, he was told that, you know, people are having trouble getting in because the, uh, they, they had weapons on them. And he's like, <laughs> well, just let's just take out the metal detectors. Uh, and, and the quote was, they're not here to hurt me. <laughs> which uh you know <laughs> yeah, I think the media, it, it seemed re- it was sort of reported that he said well they're not here to hurt me they're here to hurt everyone else but you know if you listen to it she was just saying they're not here to hurt me which yeah is that, a little that, it is a little less that's one, of, that's one of those sentences where where the emphasis is really matters yeah i just i really wanted to see the seinfeld scene in the white house where they're like, did he say they're not here to hurt me? Or did he say they're not here to hurt me? 
And, you know, also the whole point of not letting people have weapons in there is because you don't know that. Out of 10,000 people, one of them might be there to hurt you. True. He's he's not very smart. Well, Donald Trump not being the sharpest knife in the drawer is not news. (laughs) Um, She also reported some stuff she heard secondhand. This is less reliable. Um... The, the the thing about the metal detector she had heard herself but she said that mark meadows told her that when they told trump that the ch- crowd was chanting hang my pence he was like oh pence deserves it <laughs> we say that about each other all the time uh, okay <laughs> sorry is it isn't it a, like, isn't it a pretty well yeah, established uh principle of uh u.s law that you can't be punished for saying true things <laughs> no what law have you been reading uh, i'm pretty sure that's like uh um actually part of like the definition of defamation oh well, it's not defamation to say true things but if people are about to shoot somebody and you're like he deserves it you know that's uh could be considered a uh approval or an encouragement of said killing I mean, is approval or encouragement of killing a crime? I mean, I guess this isn't a criminal hearing, so it doesn't matter, but... Well, it does matter because the speculation is, and I believe this, that a lot of what these January 6th commissions are trying to do is lay the case out for Merrick Garland to prosecute and show him that we have all this evidence and that that he could get a conviction. Um, So the standard for incitement is that your words have to be likely to inspire an immediate violent uh, reaction, and they have to be intended to do so. Um, Now, that was said in private to Mark Meadows, so that's not going to be incitement. Uh, But it can show his motive. It can go to his state of mind for earlier in the day and what was going on at the time, especially when he tweeted out while the riot was happening that Mike Pence was like a weak loser and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, couldn't should should be held accountable or whatever it is he said. Uh that wasn't, hey protesters, maybe don't do this. Um but yeah, I think this whole the whole January sixth hearing thing is really do we have the evidence to convict him here? And I think they do. I hope so. Um I I mean I think the evidence is there. I think you get a jury to to find that he was um he intended his remarks, especially the tweet that he sent in the middle of the riot, that he intended that to inspire imminent lawless action, and that it had a high likelihood of doing so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I feel like trying to get a trying to get a jury on this is going to run into the same problem that JJ uh, OJ Simpson did, where everyone's <laughs> yeah. heard about the case. So anyone who says they haven't heard about the case, which you'd have to do to get on the jury is either lying or a real fucking weirdo. Yeah, fair. Um, but, you know, I don't think that's a good reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the only the only other option is uh, Trump's above the law. Which, you know, I mean, yes, not in favor I, of that. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I want to hit my favorite part out of all this. Go for it. Apparently, uh, this is hearsay. I don't think the aide saw this uh, herself. But apparently when Trump was uh, asking to be taken over to the the site of the rally, the riots, whatever, and his Secret Service says, no, no, that's not going to happen, and started driving him away in the big armored limo. This is after his speech when everyone's storming the the Capitol. Yes. 
and uh, they try to drive him away in the big armored limo, and he lunges for the wheel and tries to wrestle control of the car from the <laughs> yeah. Secret Service. And I want to say, this is actually kind of fucking awesome. Like, this is the sort of shit you would see in an action movie or a, you know, how the the Republic fell and turned into an empire kind of recreation. Like, if he had the physical power to overcome a, social, a, a secret service person and, and like knock him out grab the car drive to the rally and like rally his people to start a revolution that would have been fucking epic i mean i would have been uh, sad because Donald i would be living in a, in a dictatorship anything physical <laughs> no but seriously that was like an ultra giga chad move like wh- what do you do when the fucking Secret Service won't carry out your orders. You grab. I mean, it would have been a Chad move, except they were like, "Hey, get out of here!" And he went and sat back down. Right. Yeah. Instead, instead he was a sad Wojak, too weak to do anything. But if he had been strong enough to do it, man, that would have been a uh, yeah. If if he had physically overpowered the Secret Service and driven the car there himself to yeah. lead the riot, yeah. I mean. Pretty that's, badass. That's like one of those, you're a pirate captain, you say, you know, grab that man, throw him overboard, and your crew says no. And you're like, oh, really? And so you go throw him overboard yourself, and then you grab the guy who defied your orders and throw him overboard as well. Like, that's that's the level of leadership that uh, would get you an actual uh, revolution if you wanted one. And uh, he tried. He just uh, really sucks because he can't do anything. He he probably didn't try, though. The uh, They were able to dig up the actual Secret Service agent, and uh, they said that nothing like this happened. Ah, oh, that would have been so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's what okay. you get for relying on hearsay. You know what would have been even better? Video of him trying to do that and being slapped down like a little bitch. And <laughs> then everybody could see what a weak-ass little bitch he is. I, I am absolutely convinced that anyone could beat Donald Trump in an election. All they need to do is just punch him in the face on public on national tv like on the debate stage and like all of the mystique will come off because there's no way he can take a punch especially if it's amy klobuchar (laughs) (laughs) that's just like shut up donald that would be oh that would that would that would be awesome for uh four years and then it would be horrible because then you'd have to have more debates (laughs) and people would be talking about I would just be like, oh god, all future debates would be horrible. We would start uh, uh, picking MMA people to be our presidents. Oh, and then we get President Camacho. Exactly. This is how it happens. Uh, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, god. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, exposing yourself to risk of physical harm is a really, really strong filter for narcissists. Because narcissists know they can't handle it. Alright, tell us what uh, what Michael Flynn had to say. Well, Michael Flynn, who was a former national security advisor and a former army general, uh, was being queried, I guess, interrogated, whatever word you want to use, uh, and was asked if he believed in a peaceful transfer of power, and he pled the fifth, which led me to read the sentence I'll always remember today as the day I witnessed a retired general take the fifth when asked if he believed in the peaceful transfer of power. That's a legit scary. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of worrisome. Yeah, so I have a bee in my bonnet about this because we should have been worried about Mike Flynn, but not by this. There's a long tradition in America that uh, if you go into the military, general is where you top out. You can't become national security advisor. You can't become head of the DOD. You can't become one of the joint chiefs. Wait, no, sorry. The Joint Chiefs are the 
highest generals, never mind. Uh, but uh, that's, like, really important because it's absolutely vital to the health of a republic that you maintain civilian control of the military. When you fail to do that, that's when your government stops being democratic uh, in any even pretense of the term. And so I I am kind of in a weird position around the whole coup talk because I think two coups actually did kind of happen during the Trump presidency and Jan 6 wasn't one of them. The two coups, of course, being Michael Flynn's appointment to... Uh, uh, National Security Advisor and um, uh, General Mattis's appointment to, I think, the same position because that's terrible and we should not be appointing generals to civilian positions no matter how retired they are. And fortunately, Trump was uh, enough of a little bitch that he uh, kept on firing them before they could really consolidate control but it's still super alarming that this happened and i can't believe that everyone's focusing on january 6th which was pretty inconsequential in the grand scheme of things and not the actual coups that happened which i have seen like two other people talking about i just didn't know this was a thing which i guess is part of your point yes yeah well um i think it's i don't think you're allowed to yell at people for not talking about it since you've been on a podcast for two years and this is the first i've heard about it i mean that's not yeah. a bad point i'm not <laughs> sure why i didn't bring it up before now uh did you guys hear the, the john bolton quote oh god no. <laughs> oh this is oh great. yeah he's yeah like, the one uh, about the uh, it was like yeah i heard yeah he's like speaking as someone who's planned coups before uh not here <laughs> other places <laughs> yeah <So. laughs> they're like oh my god john bolton you're the worst so I have uh, I have an uncle who uh, is a retired army ranger, and I asked him if he could teach me how to hunt recently, and his answer was, and I quote, uh, unfortunately, no, I never really got into hunting. Well, not hunting animals anyway. Uh-huh. Same energy. Yeah. All right. Uh, Pat Cipollini also testified. That was another one of Trump's lawyers. Basically said the same thing all of of Trump's other lawyers said, which is like, oh, yeah, we told him this was all bullshit. Um, Lots of, you know, breathless anticipation from the media about, like, this is the thing that's going to finally get Trump. Hmm. Um, And it won't be. It is a fun blast to the past because we heard that every two weeks during the entire Trump administration. We really did. There's a great meme going around about this. It's the, uh, the oh, I'd like to see old Donnie Trump wriggle out of this one. Trump wriggles out of it Im- easily. Ah, well, nevertheless. <laughs> it's just all media that's at all left of center for four years now. All right. Um, speaking of presidents and them being terrible, uh, Biden put back the uh, super shitty rules on campus sexual assaults. Um, the Trump administration had gotten rid of these rules that said, um, you don't have to give notice or a hearing or like even tell the accused person what they're charged with or anything. These weird kangaroo courts where the person who investigated is the same as the person who renders the verdict and gives the punishment, uh, just really shitty, like lack of due process in all of these. And, uh... The Trump administration had gotten rid of it. Biden's putting it back. Yay. 
Yay. Thanks, Joe. I, I don't know what to say. It's always seemed legit nuts to me, and I, I, I can't believe it's coming back. Yeah, so um, hopefully schools just won't do it now, like, because it's up to the school. And there were tons and tons of lawsuits during the Obama administration after they put in these rules. And the, the accused students won disproportionately large numbers of them. And judges were, like, pretty pissed about it when they looked at what these actual procedures were. So hopefully schools will not go back to the shitty kangaroo courts since they presumably have procedures in place now that complied with the old rules, but I'm not holding my breath. My guess is that they're like, it'll be still financially viable for them to just take the L's on the lawsuits and keep complying with the department of education's guidance uh, and the, uh, solution is, of course, to abolish the Department of Education. <laughs> As usual. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of things that need to be abolished, the FDA! What's up? We have an Omicron booster! Yay? It's, it's approved! They're gonna, I mean, it's not quite approved, I don't think, but it's going to be approved. Isn't Omicron um, already on the way out and we're up to a new yeah. one? Yeah! Well, yeah, so this is uh, like like four variants ago that they're now updating the boosters to, uh, which is better than the boosters we were getting because those were just the original vaccine. Um, so now we're going to get a booster that's updated for Omicron. Um, nobody has Omicron anymore. It's like BA dot whatever now. Um, but, you know, they ha- I'm pretty sure Moderna has a booster for the current variant, but no FDA approval, so we'll get. The, we'll just use the old one. I'm glad the FDA is out there protecting us from boosters that uh that haven't been thoroughly tested over many months. Thanks FDA for looking out for us. Uh, they've also approved uh, pharmacists being able to give Paxlovid without a prescription. Okay, so that's nice. Two years late, but okay. Yeah. Um. Nobody. The thing about Paxlovid is like. It's crazy to me. Nobody wants it. Like they, ha- we have a, it's a cure. There's a cure for COVID. The thing that we've all been worried about for three years. Doesn't it have some pretty nasty side effects? So you don't want to take it unless you're like, you know, get having a bad case of it. Does it? No, I didn't hear I'm, about that. I'm pretty sure that's not true. No. Yeah. yeah I haven't heard about any bad I side effects. I'm certain that V would have brought it up and I don't remember him doing so. I usually have a pretty good memory for these things. I also think that V would have probably brought it up if there were nasty side effects. You're right. There are no serious side effects. There are some mild ones, but nothing big. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you get COVID, take the COVID cure. That's my advice. Not a doctor, but, you know, I don't think you have to be to know that you should take the cure for the disease you have. The thing is, everyone I know who's gotten COVID uh, basically had a really shit 24 hours, sometimes, like, 48 hours where they had to stay at home and feel crappy in bed and then they were okay like is it even worth going to the doctor and getting a prescription for this thing when it's just going to pass in a day well no what we really need to do is put back mask mandates and close the schools oh jesus (laughs) (laughs) have you been hearing that i've been i've been seeing more of that chatter recently about like oh man covid it's not gone everyone's acting like it's gone but it's not we should put mask mandates back in place you know, mask mandates, those things that were super effective. So effective. <sighs> Maybe if they gave Paxlovid, just make it over the counter. That would be good. Then people could just keep a stock in their medicine cabinet. 
But then people might buy it without them having to get a doctor's note. And that it, it bad bad It can take you longer to get into the doctor than the course of the COVID. Like gotta set up an appointment, he can see you in three, four days. Well, good news is that you now only need a prescription from the pharmacist. So it should be easier to get. Though not as easy as it could be. How does a pharmacist prescribe that? Do you just go up and say I'd like one and they say sure? I think they I think you have to test positive for COVID at the pharmacy. Oh, okay. And then they're like, okay, now I can write you a prescription for this. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, All right. Next story is a Supreme Court story. It's not a decision, but they did grant certification in an election case law. And this has me kind of freaked out Um, because it's in North Carolina and North Carolina courts. They're they're like state Supreme Court threw out a gerrymandered congressional map because of things in their state constitution that said you know right to vote or whatever and they interpreted this to mean um that you can't you can't draw partisan gerrymanders um so the north carolina republicans have appealed this to the supreme court now normally the supreme court does not weigh in on questions of state law because that's for the states and the state supreme court is the highest court that gets to review state laws but their argument is that the u.s constitution states that the legislature of each state can decide the manner of elections. And what that means is only the legislature can have any part in this. And so courts can't tell the legislature what to do. And governors can't, you know, be involved in this process. It's just whatever map the legislature comes up with, that's the map, because that's what the Constitution says. That is shady as fuck. That is an insane interpretation. Okay, because first of all, you you know, there's no judicial review in the Constitution. Okay, counterpoint, Um, (laughs) the Supreme Court is not a state legislature, so they can say whatever the fuck they want, and no one has to listen to them. Yeah, fair. Um, But people do listen to them, which is the problem here. Um, Yeah, but but it's just an insane theory. If someone tells you, don't listen to me then you'd have to be an idiot to listen to them. <laughs> yes, well. I'm suddenly thinking of all of our audience. <laughs> no, listen to us. Uh, no, but basically what they're saying is that if legislatures violate their own constitutions when it comes to drawing congressional maps, then that's fine. And the courts can't force them not to, even though it says right in the Constitution, like, you have these rights. This is... This is the job of the courts because the U.S. Constitution has supremacy and the U.S. Constitution says legislature only. Is the Supreme Court just trying to get rid of courts in general now? I I mean, I think they're just trying to do Republican stuff. That's... Like, they're like, whoa, would this help Republicans? Okay, we're in. Lame. So lame. Um, the, well, the, and the, but the really, really worrisome part here is that Alito, Gorsuch, and Thomas are all already on record as in favor of this theory. Um, They did a dissent in a previous case where basically they said, like, yeah, this is the law because this is what the Constitution says. It says legislature. So that means courts have to stay out of it. And it's just this, it's this amazing, unbelievable power grab by the Supreme Court to say that state Supreme Courts don't get the final word on how states have to operate. Um in in 
And this isn't even a thing that deals with individual rights. Like it's no one's violating anyone's rights here that they're they're just saying it's the wrong procedure, which is oh god, I really hope that this gets that they don't they aren't able to pull this off because it would just mean there is no stop to the gerrymandering. So granting cert means that they were viewed in the next season of the Supreme Court, right? The next term, yes. I call them seasons. I know you call them seasons. Okay. It's not what they're called, but you know, <laughs> right. you can have fun. Okay. So yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um next story. Boris Johnson. He resigned. I was right after all. You were right. Which is sad. We were we were kind of fans of his, I thought. He was all I don't right. really pay too close attention to British politics, but I thought he did okay. I liked his goofy hair. <laughs> well I liked his um pro immigration stuff. Yeah, that was good. David, you were a big fan, right? Yeah. Um yeah, I I didn't track like his uh day to day policy, but he definitely uh handled the God, you guys remember the protests in Hong Kong? The the ones in response to which the CCP released COVID. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a hell of an assertion. <laughs> yeah, no. Um No, I don't remember those. I was too busy thinking about COVID. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, his response to those was good. Uh, I want to say he also did some other good immigration-related stuff. But, uh, yeah, he he seemed fine to me. Um, better than I expected. Uh, especially better than I expected from, like, conservative populists. But uh, eh, yeah. I'm not terribly sorry to see him go. Apparently this all started because he had, you know, all those big COVID parties. I think we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently the thing that happened recently was there was some guy who was like groping people in his administration and he had heard all these complaints before hiring him and then lied about that and people called him on it and he was like, what? I didn't know. And then they're like, showed evidence that he was informed ahead of time. And then they were like, all right, all right, Boris, we're done with you. Um, notably because the British have a better system than us. This is the party kicking him out not the opposition that is amazing yeah like can you imagine a u.s political party uh kicking out the president and being like uh we have no longer have confidence in you uh the party's still great but you in particular no we're gonna pick a different leader i am very sad to say it that is not hard to that that would not happen in my imagination in the current u.s no, definitely not. Um, and it's just our system's not designed to be able to do that. So I don't get why, though. Like, if if the president is um, is impeached, then the vice president becomes president. And that that's like someone who was handpicked by the outgoing president. Uh, yeah, but impeachment is a whole proceeding involving both parties. This was a no-confidence vote just by the Tory party. They could do it all internally. That is good, because then you don't have the in-group versus out-group dynamic where if you don't support the in-group, you're stabbing them in the back and all that. Yeah, that's true. Wasn't the um, allegations about the guy groping people unfounded or, or not supported or something? Oh, I don't know. I assume all allegations are unfounded, just because that's life these days. Okay. Uh, it is but... so easy to allege stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If, if there was good support for it, okay, yeah, that's that's fine and all, but I, I never heard anyone saying anything about whether this actually happened or was shown to be, have been likely to happen or whatever. They just all seemed to assume that it was true. Yeah, I didn't really look into it because I didn't even hear about it until after Boris resigned. Right. Or, like, I think it was right before he resigned, but 
the resignation was the uh, the big story. Yeah. So I don't know. Could have been based on bullshit. I mean, this sort of thing has happened before where people just come up with an allegation because they wanted someone out. Like, it, it, yeah. when, when you are popular in your party and someone does something like that, people will rally. But if you've, like, isolated everybody, then any tiny thing, everyone's like, oh, thank God something came forward. We're just going to get rid of him now and not bother looking into it. Yeah, it sounded to me like what actually was the problem here were the COVID parties. Yeah. And they just needed another thing to stack on top of that. Yeah. All right. Um, next story from Eniash. Uh, I'm just going to read what it says in our outline here. FDA killing smokers for lulls. <laughs> it's true. Uh, the I don't know what they have against people who want nicotine, but uh, they want them to die. So they are making it basically impossible to get vapes, uh, nicotine vapes, which is... Well, those people are the out group. <laughs> I guess so. But that is very bad because nicotine vapes is an extremely safe way to get your nicotine much safer than cigarettes uh and the people who want to inhale their nicotine some of them not all of them i'm sure but some of them are going to switch to cigarettes which means uh they're they're going to be having their health destroyed by that which is absolutely ridiculous i i can't understand the reasoning on this at all but now the fda is also pushing through this thing mandating lower nicotine content in cigarettes which one might think is a good thing because that would potentially make the cigarettes less addictive uh but the the real problem is that what smokers want is the nicotine they don't necessarily want uh, all the other stuff so uh this would force smokers to smoke more cigarettes to get the same amount of nicotine which means much more of the smoke and the carcinogens carcinogens. which actually destroy your health yes stop fucking hell yeah because nicotine is not carcinogenic it's all the other stuff in the tobacco yeah now Making it hard to get nicotine vapes, um, I don't think, is going to be killing smokers. Uh, I know. It'll turn some vapors into smokers. I know. Yeah, so they say. I know there's a lot of... A lot of people have been claiming that, like, smokers use vapes now to to get their nicotine fix instead of smoking cigarettes. Um, The actual causation seems to be going in the other way, that... um, nicotine vapes have really just been making it so more kids are smoking really they're not smoking they're they're doing the vapes oh yeah man well don't kids kids um you know taking nicotine either by cigarettes or vaping it's like tripled recently i i forget i didn't i don't remember exactly the numbers but i saw a graph of it and it's like a vertical graph of like but who cares nicotine (laughs) is good it's a great <laughs> well, drug. The only problem is until we invented vapes, it came bundled with carcinogens. And now that we've unbundled it, it should have, like, the same legal and moral status as, like, LSD should. It's just or fun. Or coffee. Yeah. I, it is also highly addictive, which I personally think is sort of a problem in itself, oh, because being addicted to something is can be annoying. highly addictive. That's true. I, yeah. I, I think caffeine How maybe should be... alcohol withdrawal kills not, you. I, I think Nicotine withdrawal is not be fun, as, uh, but alcohol withdrawal is actually literally fatal. Yeah, but uh, so it, it's not great if kids are getting their hands on a lot of nicotine vapes, but on the other hand, they're already uh, prohibited from doing so. Yeah, so the, yeah, the new law is dumb. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's, um, I just think it's a legitimate thing for people to worry about that, like, tons of kids are getting addicted to nicotine. Sure. 
Uh, I'm not quite on David's side with like nicotine's great. I think being addicted to something is kind of bad in itself. Okay, yeah. but can we talk about addictions to actively, actively harmful things like you know sugar? Yeah, that's quite bad. Um, but the other part of this, the low nicotine cigarettes, just seems just like a lose lose. Yeah, yeah. Like that, what? That's, what is this? That's literally just anti-humanism. I mean. What? Like the, I guess potentially this could cause smokers to like switch to vapes because their cigarettes just aren't doing it for them, hmm. or it might just lead to them smoking four packs every day. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. like, but like I feel like it, the latter is probably the more likely. I mean, it's definitely the more likely if they make vapes illegal. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I I saw a meme in response to the Germany story. Uh, it's the Morpheus offering uh, Neo the pills scene from The Matrix, and he says, if you take this pill, you'll be more dependent on Russia. If you take this pill, you'll have more carbon emissions. And um, and in the last panel, it says, did you just take both pills? And I feel like <laughs> that's what the FDA is doing here. Yeah. Wow. They, they really are. Oh, God, I hate the FDA. They're the absolute worst. One oh, of these days, we're gonna. there's going to be a story about how the FDA did something helpful. I I feel it. I have faith that it's going to happen someday. But it's certainly not going to be the next story. Nope, because the next story is about <laughs> monkeypox. <laughs> monkeypox and the FDA. All right, so uh, before I, I get into the FDA stuff, just want to do a quick monkeypox primer since I don't think we've really talked about monkeypox here. And probably most people already know most of this who are listening to us, so I'll go over it pretty quick. But uh, monkeypox, is it an STI? Eh, I don't know. It doesn't actually require sexual contact to spread. Uh, it's an overall rash on the body that's easily mistaken for chickenpox, apparently. Uh, but it does primarily seem to be spreading through uh, sexual activity, uh, especially with among men having sex with men. Uh, spreading through sexual networks that way, like prolonged skin contact, I think, is one of the main ways it spreads. I don't know. It could be like um, some of those other STIs that can be spread other ways, but are mostly spread through sexual contact. So whether it's an STI or not, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say. Um, but yeah, it can potentially uh, leave you having those little pox scars uh, after it passes, like Edward James Olmos has all over his face. Uh, so some people call it disfiguring. I don't know if that counts as disfiguring. I wouldn't call him disfigured, but... I'd certainly rather not have those. Uh, for a while, it was not being said that monkeypox primarily affects men having sex with men, which was a bit of a scandal. But fortunately, the word got out that, hey, this community is more at risk for this than uh, other people. So watch yourselves, guys. Uh, mad shout out to Dan Savage personally, because I think he was a big pusher of this, but obviously not the only person who did so. Anyways, monkeypox. Uh, cases in the U.S. are up to uh, 1,800 as of a day or two ago at least from the recording, uh, which means at this point it is not controllable through normal means at all. Uh, there was a monkeypox outbreak a few decades ago. Uh, got Never got to uh, 50 cases. I think I heard it was uh, somewhere in the 40s was the official diagnosis uh, because the, FD, the FDA or CDC or whoever did uh, contact tracing, clamped down on it pretty hard and nipped that before it could get out. Uh, now it's too late. Uh, a former FDA commissioner said on the record that we could have gotten this if we had been more aggressive up front, but they weren't. So what do we do about this monkeypox? Well, there is a monkeypox vaccine. And in fact, getting the scene up to four days after exposure can prevent disease onset completely. 
and even getting it up to two weeks after exposure can reduce symptoms. So uh, we should be having a lot of this vaccine. And in fact, the FDA has over 1 million vaccines. But as of the end of June, they had distributed still less than 10,000. And they have been ramping up. Uh, they've been in the tens of thousands recently. I think they just broke uh, distributing uh, a, a fair chunk over 100,000 uh, now that it's been, you know, two months. Uh, but yeah, it, this was strangled by, again, FDA bureaucracy. The U.S. had over a million vaccines that they were just sitting on and sending out a few thousand to various states at a time. Uh, they seem to finally be opening up a bit. But again, FDA killing people because... I don't know, bureaucracy. They have to make sure the right sticker is on it or some shit. Uh, um, but yes, the U.S. has ordered two and a half million more monkeypox vaccines. I don't know if that'll be enough. I hope they order even more after this. Uh, those will hopefully be delivered someday once they pass FDA inspection. Uh, if you do need some, the best way to determine whether you can get the vaccine is just to Google your nearest health department. There's no central way to do this just yet. Uh, some places like New York City and Washington, D.C. have departments with websites that you can uh, see where you can uh, sign up for appointments as they become available. Uh, they, it is kind of patchwork. The Colorado Health Department had a site where you could go and fill out a form and get the, you know, if you think you've been exposed and get a vaccine. It is now shut down because they completely ran out of vaccine. So womp to us. But yeah, monkeypox, it's a thing. It's bad. Uh, FDA makes us not be able to treat it as usual. The reasonable advice I've been hearing is, if you're a man who has sex with men, uh, go get the vaccine. If you're not, don't worry about it. I think that's pretty good advice, although, honestly, I don't know. I would like to get the vaccine just because I want to have all the vaccines, and this is a vaccine. If I can prevent myself from <laughs> getting right. something, why wouldn't I? But uh, it sounds Fair like enough. right now there isn't enough to go around. Um, also, just curious out of this, when did we stop calling them gay men and start calling them men who have sex with men? Well, it includes bisexual men. Oh, uh, okay. Also... Also, there's that weird phenomenon of dudes who have sex with men who are like, I'm not gay. Oh, I just, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fuck some dudes every once in a while, but right. that's not gay. No, totally in a straight way. Yeah, you know, and it, they're really, it's their fault that, you know, all this sort of like, I identify as nonsense thing has been happening. Mm -hmm. So the insecure gay dude started it. Man. Man. I guess we can trace all the problems in society back to gay men. <laughs> ah. uh, all right um next story california as expected has passed a gun control bill um and the details of the bill aren't interesting the interesting part is that they used the texas model where they the government doesn't enforce the law instead they authorize individuals to sue to enforce the law, uh, which is the exact same thing Texas did with their abortion bill back when, you know, abortion was constitutionally a right. Uh, and the Supreme Court said, hey, that was a OK, because, uh, you know, there's no one there's no one to uh, issue an injunction against. Whoever could have seen this coming. Yeah. <laughs> so good job, Supreme Court. Um, at, I predicted at the time that this would not work for guns. I stand by that prediction because um people aren't going to stop selling guns. So they probably won't be able to get an injunction against the state to not enforce it. But the second an individual tries to enforce it, they can go get an injunction and then it will be declared unconstitutional and it won't be able to be enforced. And every court that encounters it from then on out will say, Oh, well this was declared unconstitutional. So that's Has that. The abortion version of this law still hasn't gone through the courts, right? 
Um, I it's probably moot now because uh, you know. So they're not even gonna take it up. You think? I don't know. I would my I would guess it would get dismissed on mootness. Hmm. Um, maybe actually. So I guess for it to really be moot, Texas would have to change the law. Yeah. Which they haven't done yet. So I guess it's still it could still be heard on the merits. Oh, I hope it is. Yeah. My prediction based on just uh predicting that the worst thing will happen is <laughs> that uh yeah, the Supreme Court says that this is a okay and therefore this sort of dumb shit is just literally open season and state governments can do whatever the fuck they want. Well, so the issue wasn't that the Supreme Court ever said that the bill was constitutional or that it, they were worried that it was going to be constitutional. It was that they couldn't issue a preliminary injunction because the government wasn't enforcing the law. Individuals were. So on the if, even if you get a merits determination, it's not going to address that because that only matters at the preliminary injunction stage. Yeah. Um, so that that's not the issue that's ever going to be heard. Um, you know, they could hear the case on the merits and say, like, this, well, this whole civil bounty thing is unconstitutional, but I... I don't think they'll do that. I don't see any grounds for why it wouldn't be allowed. Uh, it's just silly that it lets you evade um, injunctions. But that's life, I suppose. I think the civil bounty thing is bullshit and shouldn't be allowed. You don't think there's any way the Supreme Court could rule civil bounties aren't a thing we do in our government? I don't think there's anything in the Constitution about it. I'm sure they could find a way if they wanted to. Not that I'm saying that they should, but... Maybe if the federal government was doing it, but state governments... They're usually allowed to do pretty much anything they want that doesn't violate the Bill of Rights. Hmm. Alrighty. Alright, and one other gun story that uh, you guys told me about right before we were going to record. Apparently there was a good guy with a gun. There was. David, did you want to handle this or should I do it since I put it in? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and handle it. So, um, there was an attempted mass shooting at a mall. And uh, it was stopped by a 22-year-old who was legally carrying... Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he shot the shooter before he could, uh, make it to the four-person cutoff, uh, for which it is a mass shooting. Uh, I want to use this to go on another quick rant, uh, about a really terrible bait-and-switch I see in the anti-gun discourse, uh, where, um, in any of these good guy with a gun scenarios, uh, it's always... Heads I win, tails you lose uh, for anti-gunners because uh, if they uh, don't make it to the four-person cut, if the shooter doesn't make it to the four-person threshold, then there wasn't a mass shooting, so they couldn't have possibly stopped a mass shooting. And if they do make it to the four-person threshold, then, well, they made it to the four-person threshold, therefore it was a mass shooting, therefore they didn't stop a mass shooting. And it drives me nuts. And every time I see it, I want to stick my head into a pillow and scream until I pass out. Uh, <laughs> stop doing that, please. All right. Well, as far as the mind killer is concerned, this guy stopped a mass Thank shooting. You. Uh, it is being reported on both CNN and NPR as he stopped a mass shooting because it was very obvious he was going to go and try to keep killing more people. And also, technically, it was a mass shooting because the shooter himself died, which made the fourth dead body. And uh, it crosses the line also he apparently shot more people they just didn't die yeah i mean that's pretty so i think that, that still counts as a mass shooting yeah that uh it depends on which definition you use um 
But uh, yeah, that that's okay. pretty common. Um, it's a it's a mass shooting, not a mass killing. When there's not something like Uvalde, where uh, there's police posted up outside, keeping anyone from helping for two hours. Um, it's pretty common for a lot of people, a lot more people to get shot than, uh, actually die, because it's really hard to instantly kill someone, um, and, uh, so yeah, a lot of the eventual deaths in cases like Uvalde come from bleed out, not instant kills. Alright, well, that's, uh, that was almost happy news. I'm comfortable saying that was happy news. All right, well, let's retroactively start happy news. No, 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 no. We should not call it happy news. People died. I mean, yeah, but, but like, a lot fewer people, people died than would have. could have. I guess. I don't, it doesn't make me feel happy to hear that story. Uh, okay, yeah, it's that, like an action yeah, movie. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I, 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 can, I can see the case for not calling it happy news. All right, retroactive <laughs> inclusion rescinded. <laughs> okay. That was not a happy story. That was a sad, sad story. But now we're going to move into happy Yay! news. Good Yay! news, everyone. And we have uh, our first story is probably the happiest news we've had in a while. Yes. Which is that the James Webb Space Telescope works. Yay. Yeah. Um, this was somewhat in doubt um, because the last time we sent up a space telescope, it didn't work. And they had to go fix it. And you couldn't do that with this one because it's like a million miles from Earth. So if this one didn't work, there was no fixing it. It was just a complete waste of money. Um, but it does. It does work. And they released pictures and they're awesome. Fuck yeah, they, they are. are. Very, very cool. Uh, so we encourage all listeners to, if you haven't already, check out the uh, James Webb pictures. Uh, they're amazing. So much better than the Hubble, which is trash now. <laughs> I've been feeling so sad about people saying that kind of stuff about Hubble. I'm like, Hubble has been great for so long. Why are you sh- shitting on Hubble? Would you just... I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the distracted boyfriend meme. And, like, I, Hubble is just going to be the, uh... Is just going to be the, um... Uh... Offended girlfriend for the rest of eternity, or at least until we put up another space telescope. And then James Webb gets to be the offended girlfriend. I mean, I understand, but they don't got to literally diss Hubble like they've been doing on some of I these mean, memes. James Webb is James Webb is much better than Hubble, though. Or the pictures are. Inyash, yes, Inyash, we yes. don't have time on this podcast to do <laughs> therapy on your fear of aging. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a telescope. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have any feelings. How dare you call me out like that? <laughs> that was pretty brutal, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe on a bonus episode. Okay. <laughs> you can talk about that. But right now, we're going to move on to a story from New Zealand. Yes. Uh, gene therapy. Maybe this is a thing that can uh, help with the aging or whatever. But uh, it also helps with anyone who has high cholesterol. There was a uh, gene edit that was actually went through. Like, this isn't a theoretical thing. They, uh, they did it on a person. On a person, yes. A human person. Uh, using CRISPR, Yeah, it's not even like an ape. It's a, it's a human. Yeah. Uh, they modified a single letter in the person's uh, liver, liver cells. Uh, and now they, that liver cell, not just that liver cell, the entire liver, <laughs> now uh, permanently uh, creates more enzymes that reduce the bad cholesterol and just makes them healthier in general. It has it has reduced their cholesterol overall, and that's great. 
Hmm. You don't even have to like do anything massive. You just get a little shot and your body's like, yeah, I'm better now. Thanks for giving me the superpower. Nice. Yes. And it was CRISPR they used to do it. Mm-hmm. Which I had guessed, but wanted to confirm. Uh, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. They just they just made a person a healthier person. Yeah. This is what we want for all humans. God damn, yeah. This was this was the the thing that people were excited about when they discovered CRISPR. So it mm-hmm. It's like, this is exactly the kind of thing you can do. And they did it! It's amazing! So, is this going to be, like, a heritable improvement? Uh, you broke up. What is was that? Is this going to be an actual heritable improvement? Like, will this person's kids have lower cholesterol? I don't know. I assume it does not work on the uh, germline. Because it says... Yeah, it- I would guess not. Because it's... I think it was just the liver cells. Yeah. That were changed. Yeah, seems like it would be worth getting that shot in both the liver and the uh, genitals. Just to <laughs> do your kids a solid. But, yeah. you know. Alright. Just get that get that shot in the balls, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, you don't want that, because by the time they need it, there'll be a way better version. Oh, that's true. There might be. Uh, I mean, I don't see... So, my thinking is, like, if the shit hits the fan between now and uh, the better version coming out, then uh, then they'll have the version that they could have had. And if it doesn't, then they can get the new version. All right. I forgot David's an end timer. Hmm. Uh, you never know. I, the end could be know. near. I prefer, um, I prefer the term prepper. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, here's the real important question. Where do I go sign up for mine? Well, uh, this was still in human trials. You can't sign up for it yet. Ugh. Man. Yeah. So the FDA will improve it. The FDA, well, yeah, will we'll let us we'll let us have better bodies after we're all already dead. Or after we cool. delend on the fucking FDA. Well, we're not going to do that, so I guess we'll all just die. Am I the only one who's kind of an FDA accelerationist? Yes. Meaning you hope they just keep getting worse and worse until we decide to destroy them altogether? Yes. I wouldn't be against that. <laughs> I mean, I just let's let's not make things worse. Yeah. All right. Next story. Uh, Samsung is producing semiconductor chips that are small. There we go. Uh, The previous semiconductor standard, I guess, or uh, top of the line. I don't know which one was five nanometer, uh, five nanometer circuits, I guess. Is it like the chips themselves can't be five nanometers? Damn it. I wish I would have. Um. Can they? This says three nanometer semiconductor chips. Well, I'm pretty sure the chips themselves are not three nanometers. Uh, I, I think it's the circuits on them. But uh, I guess I'll have to read more into this because it doesn't actually get into that much detail in the article that I have in front of me. Uh, but yes, the previous was five nanometers. Now these new top of the line ones that Samsung has started production on are three nanometers. And that reduces power consumption by 45%. Improves fruit. Improves performance by 23% and reduces area by 16%. See, so yeah, the chip can't be 3 nanometers if the area of the chip is being reduced. Um, anyways, this is a big thing because having more compute means we get closer to the uh, AI takeover of all of the Earth and then we get killed. But also, uh, less waste heat so you can put more more compute in uh, smaller things. But also, you know, less energy. Are they doing energy, yeah. this production in Taiwan where it's going to get bombed into non-existence this autumn? I don't know where they're doing the production. I hope Taiwan doesn't get bombed regardless, though. They're probably it, doing David. it in uh, Taiwan, then. 
Just let us have some good news. Right? I want us to be happy for one instant. You, you had like three instants during the uh, James Webb thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, next happy story. Oh, we've got a lot of them this week. All right. Uh, carbon capture. Yeah, this is part of my whole I like environmentalism that isn't anti-human. Uh, and part of that is using technology to make the environment better. Uh, Tata Chemicals recently opened... Tata Chemicals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put the chemicals on the Tatas. Uh, recently opened the UK's first industrial-scale carbon capture plant. Uh, it captures 40,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide every year, or at least is projected to. I mean, I guess it hasn't yet since they just opened, uh, which is the equivalent of taking over 20,000 cars off the roads. Uh, it takes this carbon and it makes it into baking soda, which it's actually going to resell to, I guess, defray some of the costs. So fucking awesome. Carbon capture. I mean, I feel like that's the real solution. Hey, yeah. To climate change. Hey, you know what would be even cooler if they did this? Nuclear power, we know. <laughs> Next yeah, story. No, if they, if they powered the uh, carbon <laughs> capture plant with nuclear power, so they didn't yes, produce we carbon while they going. were capturing carbon. <laughs> Yo, dog, I heard you like producing <laughs> carbon. We we agree, David. All right, next story. England, a hey, dog yay. story. So I have a human interest story again because I want to do one every episode, and it turns um, out that most this of my is a canine interest yeah. story. It turns out most of my human interest stories are canine I, interest I stories. I think so. like one hundred percent of them so far. Well, there's only <laughs> been two, so there so, we go. So what, uh, what um, I'm getting I, from this I, discussion, I vote we make this a recurring. What I'm getting from a recurring segment. What I'm getting from this. Is that uh, unlike nine-month-old babies, you think dogs are people? Uh, dogs are more people than nine-month-old. Well, than one-month-old babies are anyway. <laughs> nine-month, maybe they are. See Eliza Yudkowsky's Facebook for more. Yes. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't draw the line at nine months, but certainly at a, a week or two, a month. Yeah, dogs are more human. Anyway, what did this dog do? This dog escaped from its owner's uh, site. Uh, Yay! Freedom for dogs! (laughs) And the poor doggy was lost, oh no! Uh, But then it returned later that day with a medal from a dog show! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like just a fucking awesome movie where the dog's like, fuck this, I'm pretty and I'm gonna show all of you, so it escapes, goes to a dog show, comes back with an award. And that (laughs) that is what I would like to see. But in reality, it wasn't quite that. The dog was, uh, walking around... Trotting, I don't know, whatever dogs do when they're slightly anxious, but also full of energy. Along the side of the road. Beagles waddle. Beagles waddle, okay. Yeah, it's a beagle mix. Waddling around the side of the road, uh, someone saw the beagle, picked it up, and was like, oh, poor beagle, I I will take care of you. I'm on the way to a dog show with my two other dogs. What the hell? I'll enter you in the uh, best rescue category. And the dog took third place in best rescue. And then uh, once he left the dog show, the man posted on social media, hey, anybody know who owns this dog? And the owners were like, oh my god, our dog! So yeah, they got the dog back. It wasn't quite an awesome adventure story, but still, it was heartwarming and cute. Oh good, the original owners also rescued him. That would have sucked if he was, like, a purebred that uh, <laughs> the original owners had bought for $3,000. And he'd have to give back and... his medal. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> like, so... We'd have to give back his medal because he wasn't a real yeah. rescue. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the guy who entered him did, in some sense, rescue him. That's true. Yeah. All right. 
Moving on to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we'll start, we'll start with David. Yeah, so uh, I've got a bit of an unorthodox one this time, but fuck it. Uh, so I am looking for work. So if you are interested in uh, hiring me to be a data scientist or a data engineer or a data analyst or an economist or a business intelligence analyst, uh, do that. Uh, I will have a link in the show notes to my LinkedIn. And from there, uh, my contact information and resume should be fairly easy to find. And so, yeah, if you are interested in hiring me, please reach out. Do you have any uh, geographical restrictions? I'm not working in California. <laughs> All right. Anywhere oh. but California. Uh, Eniash, what do you have for us? My troop deployment is that it's okay for people to have freedom of association in regards to housing. Uh, I learned. This is going to be racist, isn't it? No. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. I really hope not anyway. Uh, I learned in our last episode that the Supreme Court or that the U.S. Constitution does not actually guarantee freedom of association. I'd always heard that term and I thought it was in the Constitution, uh, but I was wrong. That is something that was in the, in, interpolated later by the Supreme Court. Uh, nonetheless, I do think that freedom of association is generally good and should be protected within reasonable bounds. For example, I don't want to go to church, and I shouldn't be forced to. And if I want to hang out with other emotes and goths and play gloomy music, I shouldn't be prevented from doing that. As long as I'm not, you know, really disturbing other people. So, uh, importantly, if me and some moody goths wants to purchase some cheap land somewhere, build a community of aesthetically pleasing buildings, and share our lives in a goth commune, I don't see why we shouldn't be allowed to do that. And if we all agree to keep some rules about no playing reggaeton loud enough to be heard outside the house, and no inviting fundamentalist evangelicals into our community, I think that's a net good for us as well. We should be able to pass that, that rule for ourselves. Uh, I think allowing some people measure of control over what their community looks like is a positive thing for society. It gives people the ability to live in the way that maximizes their life satisfaction and their ability to thrive and flourish. It gives them the opportunity to maintain proximity to a Dunbar Sphere group that is meaningful to them. Uh, sorry about the lingo for people who don't listen to uh, the Basin Conspiracy. Even the simple hedonist... But who cares about those people? Yeah, they're a bunch of turds. <laughs> <laughs> Even the simple hedonistic gains from living in an area that one clicks with, rather than one that feels hostile or uncaring, are a great net gain in utility. Having many diverse communities that cater to many types of people and allowing humans to join the community that most fits them is a great thing. The biggest obstacle to this sort of thing is that there simply isn't enough housing anywhere in the U.S., so people buy wherever a space is available, regardless of how it may fit them. They often end up chafing under these rules or aesthetics that are detrimental to them rather than nourishing, and this should be fixed by making lots more housing, which is a massive separate problem which we discuss other times. Uh, my contention is that the current fix of making it impossible to have community-imposed restrictions in a community is drastically net negative. It has the effect of destroying communities entirely by making it impossible to create and maintain them, and quality of life is degraded for everyone. Fix the real problem, housing. Don't destroy good things as a shitty hack that doesn't really work anyway. Um, I completely disagree, but I guess I'll have to get to that later. Yes. I think that HOAs are cults that lack the strength of their convictions, and I'm in favor of cults having the strength of their convictions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My troop deployment is that for the Democrats to keep gerrymandering. Uh, gerrymandering is a problem. As we covered earlier, it may be about to become an even bigger problem. 
As usual, the Supreme Court has abdicated its responsibility to safeguard the right to vote and declared that political gerrymandering is totally fine. The long-term solution is to get a better Supreme Court, but the shorter-term solution can only be an act of Congress, which require, that would require voting districts to be made according to a formula or setting up nonpartisan commissions, which is what states that actually care about voting rights do. For years now, uh, including my troop deployment last episode, I argued that we need to end the filibuster to allow Congress to do things, but for now, we're stuck with it, so any bill needs Republican votes. The problem here is that Republicans are not going to vote to end gerrymandering. Under the current congressional map, Republicans can lose the popular vote by up to 2.5% and still control the House. That's a huge advantage. They're not going to give that up for something like something petty like principles or fair elections. The only way they're going to agree to anything is if it stops being such an advantage. Historically, Democrats have been mostly against gerrymandering, and blue states often set up nonpartisan procedures for drawing congressional districts. More recently, Democrats have realized that this is unilateral disarmament and have started embracing the gerrymander. I'd say keep it up. Gerrymander every seat in every state you can. Don't bother trying to hide what you're doing. If you have to, amend your state constitutions to allow it. <laughs> but at the same time, continue to pass a national continue to offer to pass a national law requiring nonpartisan district drawing. Everyone knows that gerrymandering is bullshit, but it's not gonna stop so long as it works. So if you want to put an end to it, you first need to neutralize the partisan advantage. Once it stops being clear who benefits, then maybe both parties can agree to put a stop to it. So these troop deployments, Pinyash comes out against the strength of your convictions, and West comes out in favor of defecting in prisoners' dilemmas. I'm always in favor of defecting in prisoners' dilemmas. Well, yes, clearly. I came out against being the strength of your convictions? The show's supposed to stop now. Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) <laughs> do the outro Wes <laughs> alright well on that note thanks for listening everybody that's our show everyone please follow us please leave us reviews wherever you lead reviews and subscribe on Substack um, it's not you know it's not too expensive it's like five bucks a month it's easy um, and we don't we don't put any ads in our show isn't this show great without ads hell yeah it um, is You'll also get early episodes, you'll get access to bonus episodes, and you'll get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel, where you can come yell at us about how bad our uh, Supreme Court episode was. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.